Hello and welcome to the Merry Menopause Book Club, a podcast that brings you the authors of the books written to inspire us, educate us and guide us on our journey through midlife. Created and hosted by me, Jo Fuller, menopause and menstruation educator and founder of the Merry Menopause. I want to give women the information and education they need to make empowered choices around their health and well-being so that ultimately they can have a Merry Menopause. Welcome to this edition of the Merry Menopause Book Club podcast. Today I'm joined by author Josie Lloyd, who has written 15 best selling novels, both as Josie Lloyd and her other pen name, Joanna Reese, including the number one hit, Come Together, which she co authored with her husband, Emlyn Reese, and was made into a working title film. Josie and Emlyn have also written several best selling parodies, including We're Going on a Bar, a Bar Hunt, which was a take on We're Going on a Bear Hunt. But today we're here to talk about Josie's latest book, The Cancer Ladies Running Club, which is a fictional story, but it is also actually your story, isn't it, Josie? Yes, it is. It's lovely to meet you, Joe. Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. Um, I, uh, I, yeah, I was diagnosed with breast cancer in 2017 after I was called up um, by the Park Breast Centre where we live in Brighton uh, to for a, a a mammogram to test women under 50 it was a pilot scheme did I want to come for a voluntary mammogram and I nearly didn't go except that I had noticed a tiny little dimple in the bottom of my left breast which was only visible when I took off my shirt so you know it was a tiny thing and I had been to the doctor about it and they'd sent me away and Emlyn said go and get it checked out you know have us some peace of mind so in I went had a mammogram and I told them about the little dimple and they said look any change in your breast tissue you must get checked out but nine times out of ten it's nothing but you're better off getting it checked out so we will call you back so when I went back in January I kind of just thought it was a quick in and out job and I wasn't I was a little bit worried but um then I realized that I was in the quiet room and then it was bad news and I had a biopsy and it was kind of you suddenly hear the word cancer and cancer is a very dramatic word to give to two writers because I told Emlyn obviously and uh, I just went off the deep end I was like I'm going to die I'd written my I'd planned my funeral I was writing you know all the lists of all the things that I had to do to, you know it's just heartbreaking because it's just the first ever time that I'd come face to face with my mortality um And I kept a journal because I'm a writer and I've always found that writing things down and particularly going through cancer treatment. If anybody is listening to this who knows somebody going through cancer treatment or is going through cancer treatment themselves, I would say getting all those horrible thoughts out onto paper is actually incredibly cathartic and very good for your recovery. And they've done quite a lot of states uh, studies in the states about this, about how journaling anything unpleasant and certainly menopause as well, um, that really helps you kind of mentally deal with it and physically get better so that's quite an interesting fact in itself anyway so I started writing a journal and um I was very uh worried at the time and I didn't really everybody was wrapping me in cotton wool and the worst thing that I found about the whole thing to be honest Joe from a vanity point of view was I was suddenly not Josie, an author, a mom somebody with a busy social life I suddenly had this neon sign cancer stuck on me it's like oh my gosh she's got cancer you know and it was awful I mean I could barely say the word myself it was awful and um, so I was feeling fairly terrible and then 
Roz, who is a mum at the school gates and also a fitness instructor, was working for Albion in the community in their Brighter Outreach programme. And uh, she said, come down to the seafront and meet my group of runners. And I said, no, Roz, I am going under the duvet with the chocolate biscuits. Thank you very much. And she said, no, no, it's really important that you keep fit during your treatment. It's, you know, they're building gyms next to oncology suites in Australia. You must, must, must keep fit. So I was very reluctant because I just didn't want to be part of any kind of cancer club I didn't want to be involved because as soon as you have cancer what happens is everybody tells you their cancer stories so you you tell people that you've got breast cancer and they go oh yeah my uncle he died of prostate cancer and you go I don't want to know that I just don't want to know that anyway so uh so I went down to the seafront and I met this group of women and uh most of them had been through treatment and were out the other side And it was at first very much like being very heavily pregnant and meeting new mothers because they gave me all the gruesome stories about chemo and hair falling out and everything. (laughs) But they were funny about it. You know, there was a gallows humour. And one of the things about being diagnosed for me was this feeling that I wasn't allowed to have a sense of humour anymore, that something very serious had happened and I wasn't allowed to joke. And I've got quite a sense of humour. So for me, not being able to laugh about it was really terrible and then I met this group of girls and they were just really funny and I said no nobody can say even say the word cancer and we all had this hilarious thing like oh yeah she got cancer (laughs) you know we'd run along (laughs) anyway um so after the whole thing was over obviously I had a lot of copy because I've been uh journaling it and I wanted to write a book because actually as a novelist and as a very avid reader and I and I know you are an avid reader Joe. I find, as I'm sure you do, that that novels are a way of making sense of the world, of kind of understanding things. And but I couldn't find anything where there wasn't where the cancer had a happy ending, and that uh, you know there wasn't mums dying with tubes up their noses, and that it wasn't kind of awful. I wanted I wanted something that was going to be a positive outcome for my character and I couldn't really find anything it's lots of how to get through breast cancer books and there's quite a lot of my journey books and there's quite a lot of non-fiction books but it's not not very much in the fiction arena so I really wanted to write a novel about it because that's my skill and I'm a novel writer but it took me quite a long time to make Kira's journey and her world different to mine but her her journey that she goes on treatment wise it follows fairly closely to what happened to me so yeah in that respect it is incredibly personal book but you know it is quite warts and all and I wanted it to be honest about what the process feels like so yeah so it is it is a fiction book but it is very much informed by what I went through and it's so I am a touch wood I have not been uh, around breast cancer I, I, myself or my friends so this for me at this time of life reading it was also an eye-opener as to what it involves and you are a, you know a very positive person Josie we've never met before but we've discovered we both live in Brighton um, hence the references to the sea everybody um, Josie and I live in Brighton we do share some mutual friends and we haven't met before but I can instantly tell you're a very positive person and having something like this you would want to see the positive side of it which does come across in the book but it's also incredibly real what you went through your husband telling your children your friends um 
I don't want to ruin the story, so I'm not going to say too much, but there's some really relatable stuff. But there is also what is so obviously the hard facts about what happened, how you were treated, the treatment process that you went through, which for somebody like me, as I say, who's never experienced it, was a real eye opener that how flipping brave you women are. Yes, but it's also it's not insurmountable this is the somebody told me at the beginning who'd been through breast cancer it's you know it's unpleasant but it's not insurmountable and the fact of it is joe one in seven of us get breast cancer that's what we're heading towards one in seven women are going to get breast cancer in this country one in two of us are going to develop cancer in our lifetimes and um and it's that whole thing that we need to i really feel that it needs some debunking and then we need to start talking about it more as women because we're British, so if you even mention the word breast, everyone goes, So, but we need to talk. But in Australia, for example, skin cancer is very much such a real thing for people that they talk about it all the time. Children know about it. And, you know, we get to the menopause and we get to this age and people don't really know. For example, I've just been made a patron of a new charity called Lobby Breast Cancer UK because. There's two types of breast cancer, which you probably don't know, but there's um, two things in your breast, mainly ducts and lobes. And the ducts, um, when the cancer forms in ductal cancer, it forms in lumps. So that's when people say check for lumps and that you, you know, because ductal cancer, which is the main form of breast cancer, is in lumps. Lobular breast cancer grows in a different way. So it grows in a kind of spidery way and it's difficult to detect because it's more like a hardening of the tissue and quite a lot of people have dense breast tissue so it doesn't show up on mammograms so that we need to do quite a lot more to understand lobular breast cancer which accounts for 15 percent of breast cancers and to put that in perspective that's one that's 22 women every single day in the uk are diagnosed with lobular breast cancer so lobular breast cancer is more difficult to detect and so this is what we need to get the information out is and we need to start talking about it because it's any kind of puckering on your skin or dimples or your you notice that your boob moves in a different way when you take off a shirt or something like that all of that you need to be really vigilant so it's not just checking for lumps it's checking for anything strange so we just need to be and lots of women just go oh yeah, yeah I'll check my you know check my boobs in the shower but people you really need to just check them regularly because then you can pick up any changes it's no good just doing it once in a blue moon and go, well, well, is that normal? Because you don't know if you haven't checked regularly. So in between uh, cycles, if you're still having periods, then it's best to do it in the middle before you're kind of hormonal. But just keep a keep your keep a regular check. And actually, you know, that's one thing for me was one of the messages of the book that um, I really had for when I was diagnosed with cancer, I realised, as I think a lot of us reach this point in life and realise, I have been busy for 30 years, really happily so, but very happy to put everybody's needs above my own. So I was always the one who was on the committees. I was always the one with a massive social life, always triple booking every weekend to much to my husband's absolute fury. Three kids, big house, big social life, big busy life as an author. And at no point did I put my well-being at the top of my list. So I did a yoga class, you know, and I would go for a bit of a run, but it was always kind of in a social context. It was nothing that was about just me and my well-being. Um, that was right down at the bottom. You know, the, the concept of meditating, I was just like, oh, God, I can't be bothered. Um, 
And that was the real eye-opener for me. It's just like, how have I got cancer on my watch? How has this happened to me? How didn't I notice that this something was so terribly wrong? Um, and that was the biggest wake-up call for me. And since I've had cancer, that has been the biggest thing that's changed. So I really do look after myself much better than I ever have done. So, And that's just tiny little things. So that's things like in the morning, I do a Qigong routine. So Qigong is like... Um, the basis of Tai Chi. So it's slow meditative movement. So it's not like yoga and stretching and, uh, and it's not kind of, it's, it's about moving in a slow meditative way with your breathing. And it's just a small practice. It's very gentle, but the more I do it, the more powerful it is. So it's little things like that. And so I think those are the kind of practices that at this age we need to put in place to make ourselves feel well. So when we talk about self-care and we all eye roll because it's something that yeah. like self-care, self-care. Yeah. What's so lovely to hear you say there, Josie, is like, actually, don't eye roll when somebody says self-care yeah. because it is hugely, hugely important. All those little things that you just go, oh, I haven't got time to do those. Oh, I'm not going to bother doing that. Make the time. Yeah. And it's also just make a time in a day and just stick to it. It's like a habit. You just need to just give yourself 15 minutes out of your day just to check in with your well-being. That's all it takes, you know, but just it's a regular practice. And I wanted to kind of really with this book um, write something that was empowering to show that it's not it's not just about surviving cancer. It's about thriving the other side. And I think there's a really big difference. And I think that it's there's not a lot around about how to be well after something difficult like cancer happens to you and it can be after any kind of trauma or an accident or any kind of big health scare and we get to this point in life as you know stuff happens life happens you know there's people have traumas traumas and it's for a lot of people they get really stuck in the in the headlights of that trauma and can't move on and don't really have the permission to be able to live well. And I think that's what I wanted with this book is to empower people to say, well, actually, you know, you can live really well the other side of cancer and you don't have to have it as this looming shadow. You have to just make a mental commitment and all of these little practices help to be well and to just go, nope, I am well today. And I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think the cancer is going to come back and get me touch wood. It might do, but I'm okay about this because actually, Right now, today, I'm going to live my life as well as I possibly can. And I think it's letting go of that fear, which is takes constant work. It's not so you can't just go, oh, yeah, I'm not frightened about that anymore. You know, it comes and grabs you all the time. You have to be vigilant. Um, I think that's really important to just get over the fear and to live your your, you know, as well as you possibly can. And I think you get that across beautifully in the book because, you know, there's a lot of talk, some really sort of positive sentences in there about, you know, I'm fitter than I was last year, even though I've got cancer, yeah. I'm fitter than I was last year. And one of the characters says that, you know, you go through this treatment and then suddenly it's all over and all the support's gone and you're yeah. just expected to carry on. So I think what, you know, what, it, you know, the name of the book in itself, the Cancer's Ladies Running Club, and you say, you know, cancer wasn't your club, but this support network that you made fictionally and in real life was really what gave you the strength to overcome that fear and, and move through it and, and recover yeah I think so and I think it's very important about about finding your tribe and in the book essentially is a book about female friendship it's about old friendships new friendships it's about um friends that you thought were friends but turned out not to be friends uh, but it's about how women support each other and I think that there's a really diff there's a massive difference in 
midlife to how we our friendships were when we were in our 20s and 30s I think that as you get older you really cherish the women around you um and the bonds that you have for you know you especially if you're in in the menopause you know it's only your friends who are going to understand the rage or only your friends who will like surreptitiously pass you a fan in a concert when you're in a you know (laughs) you're in a full body sweat you know it's that sort of it's that sort of support that we get from other women and I think we are there are times in in friendships where it's all it's a little bit competitive but that all falls away in midlife I think and you and you just become really appreciative of other people and their foibles and I think COVID's done that a lot that we've I think I think women have fared a lot better well the women I know have fared a lot better in COVID than sometimes the men because we've all had each other and we've checked in with each other and I think it is really about friendship and finding your tribe I think that really Mm. really is a massive massive and I also think that in midlife you know the shit starts to hit the fan a little bit doesn't it yeah, and it's when yeah. you really so I know this this you know I lost my father this year and it was oh, amazing sorry. the people that were there for me yeah and like you say the people that you expected to be there for you that weren't there for you and it actually yeah. really highlights those really solid lovely yeah. friendships of old but actually opens the door to some really lovely supportive yes and I think that is a really special thing about midlife that yeah that we've become and so vulnerable and we're able to be caught we let people catch us I think yeah I think that's really true and I think for me with my running problem and for Kira certainly in the book she does it it starts at new year and she's kind of smug at new year she's with her best mates and she's like I don't want anything to change you know she feels at the top of her game and it is that feeling you know I wanted to really get that feeling across in the book of here's a woman she's in the prime of her life and she's juggling all these balls and everything is going pretty well and she's kind of pretty happy with that but if one ball drops then everything else comes tumbling down and what does she do then because she feels like the master of the universe in her world and I think that a lot of us feel like that and it's and it's actually no bad thing to get a real for something difficult to happen in your life because it does put you in touch with vulnerability and it does put you in touch with what's important and that actually you don't necessarily need to have all these balls in the air and also you can kind of delegate some of them and yeah, that some of them are, you know you know some of them are not really that important you and it really does make you reassess and I do feel you know having gone through cancer that I have really reassessed my life in a good way and that um I do kind of really go with what's important now and I don't really sweat the small stuff as much as I used to no, and there's a great line that says, use this crisis as a springboard, yeah. you know, and there's, and although you document, you know, the people telling you the negative cancer stories, because they do, and I know when dad died, everyone used to tell me about, you know, how their father died, and I was like, oh, I can't process that, um, but you, there's also, you then start to tell, people start to appear that start telling you positive cancer stories, yeah. about, yeah, yeah, you know, this is what happened to her. it changed her life, it was amazing, you know, so yeah. it's, it's it's such a journey. The book really is such a journey. And I, you know, I, I did have a tear in my eye when I finished it, but I'm not oh. going to ruin the end. It's a lovely end. It's a lovely end. Um, but we're not going to go there. But what other question I would love to ask you, Josie, obviously very relevant to me and to my audience, is your menopause story because you were thrown into a chemically induced menopause with your treatment. Would you yeah. like to share that or able to share yeah, that? So- so may when I had hormone positive cancer, which is a very common type of cancer, but basically my cancer cells were kind of gobbling up estrogen and growing. So um, 
I, so then I had to go into tamoxifen, which is an estrogen blocker, which is a, a, a hormone drug. Um, and I've been on it for five years and I'm about to tr- change onto another drug called letrozole. Um, and that, so I couldn't, I couldn't have, so I was suddenly thrust headfirst into the menopause. So it was aching joints, like I would get on a yoga mat and I'd sound like a bushel of twigs cracking and um, a horrid night sweats, hot flushes, um, very, very achy all over. Um, I did feel that I just quickly knew that I had to sort of make peace with it because I think half half the difficulty with kind of going through menopausal symptoms is the um, shock of it to your system. And you've got, why don't I feel normal? This is, uh, I've got I've got to go back to feeling normal. And actually after having gone through cancer treatment, which is pretty awful and losing your hair and losing your, you know, losing everything about your looks that you kind of cherish, um, you just go, well, actually a hot flush, you know, it's a walk in the park compared to chemo. Um, so in comparatively it's fine so I can understand where where people have felt normal and then suddenly they don't feel normal you just go ah help whereas for me because I hadn't felt normal then feeling this was just like fine and actually one person gave me a really great bit of advice which actually really really stuck with me which was um that when you're a when you're a girl you're tied to the moon and the moon cycles and you're kind of in tune with the moon and you're up there and you're kind of moon. But when you're in, when you get to the menopause, you come back down to mother earth and you, you ground down to mother earth and that you are much more in tune with the cycles of mother earth. And actually for me, that kind of gave me an incredible permission and power to be much more in touch with mother earth and to get out there walking. So I do a lot of walking on the downs, but mainly swimming was the thing that saved me during menopause and also during lockdown because there was, you know, nothing else to do. <laughs> I've always swum in the summer, but it was, you know, I started swimming all year round and I met a group of amazing people. And I've just finished my second Josie Lloyd book, which is uh, called The Salty Seagulls, which is all about a group of women who go sea swimming. So I found that uh, cold water swimming was incredibly helpful for the menopause. Um, I couldn't take anything that uh, mimicked estrogen so um, I've had to do quite a lot of self-remedy. I've, I've found uh, the menopoised magnet that our acupuncture ha- acupuncturist has on the back of the neck. I found that very useful at the beginning. Um, chillo pillows to put on your pillow. And my husband was very kind of supportive of getting bamboo sheets for the bird. Chillo pillows under, you know, frozen pillows that I put under the thing and turn over, you know, the horrible feeling when you get really, really hot. But the the symptoms have died down a bit now and I think that it's really um I think a lot of it's about acceptance and just sitting there and just going right this hot flush is going to pass and it's and it's fine and also being very okay about the fact that you know emotionally it is going to be a little bit bumpy and up and down but you know as I always say to my teenage girls your your emotions are your internal weather and you can't expect to be sunny all day, every day. You just need to know that there are going to be rainstorms and there's going to be thunder and there's going to be grey, dull days, but the sun will come out eventually. And quite often you experience all manner of weather in one day and that is fine. So I think that's really important with them being teenagers and young women Um to see me going through the menopause and just going, oh, you know, a bit hot and a bit flustered and a bit, oh, nothing's working today. 
and to accept that and to know that that's going to pass. Oh, I love that you are talking to your teenage daughters about that cycle, because a lot of the work that I do as a coach is I work with women in their cycles, especially sort of coming into perimenopause. And, you know, one big thing when I started this work that came to me was that it's impossible to be happy every day because we are cyclical and we have hormonal highs and lows. And I think for so many women, not because we're not taught about our hormones and how they work and how that cycle works, that we're expecting to be this brilliant ovulatory you know bright young thing all the time and then two weeks later in our bleed we're completely different and we just don't get that that's normal and that's when so many women start to there's something wrong with them mentally so lovely that you're talking to your your teenage girls about that Josie yeah um we're coming to the end of uh, of today's episode. It's been an absolute joy to you. You really are so positive. It's kind of radiating through the screen, your positivity. It's been an absolute delight to meet you. And I oh. can't believe that our paths haven't crossed. Well, they will now. You know, will do. It's and celestial, would, darling. Celestial. <laughs> and please, will you come back and talk to me yes, about the salty, the salty, salty seagulls? Sea yes, I'd be when's that, to. When's that due for publication? Um, next June. So that'll be our oh, next Oh, lovely. Year. The summer but, read. Yeah, so I'll come and see. Yeah, summer read. So it's been really fun to write it, actually, because, you know, like my characters in the Cancer Ladies Running Club, um, they were, one of them particularly, Tamsin, was based on my elder goth friend, Jane, who is just a, a phenomena. You should have her on the podcast because she's just quite quite something. Um, but the others were kind of fictional, but they were kind of, bits of them were drawn from the characters that I met. And it's been quite fun writing The Salty Sea Girls because I swim with a group, big group and I've taken sort of tiny little bits of lots of different people to make these like amazing new characters. And they've been so much fun to write and to be with. So yeah, I'm very, I'm very pleased with it. But I, you know, it has been a complete salvation to me, the sea swimming. And mm. um, and certainly the cold water, it's quite nice we get our beaches back because we've had lots of tourists and now it's only us, I mean, which is great. <laughs> I mean, I'm not a winter swimmer. I am a I'm a summer, I'm a spring summer swimmer. I just I can't, it's getting out of the water in the wind. I'm kind of oh day okay when I'm in the water, but it's getting out when it's when it's windy. That is my that's my obstacle, Josie. But maybe well, I need to is, give it a go. Maybe I need to come Well, down come and join in the you. sea with me. Come in the sea. I'll take you swimming. Because actually the thing is, is once you get the getting into cold water is the is the challenge because you have your gasp fight or flight reaction. So that is normal but once you know that that's happening and that that's going to last for 30 seconds then your parasympathetic nervous system kicks in your vagus nerve gets gets stimulated and you get uh much much calmer so then it's very good but and then when you come out because of your body temperature you actually don't really feel the cold Ooh, I'm, no, shivering. I'm shivering no <laughs> you don't you get out. the after drop no 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 you get the after drop but actually you get cold once you're dressed and you you're because your body temperature keeps going going down, so it's important to get. But when you actually first get out, that's not the problem. So I I will take you swimming. We'll go on a cold day. I was, and you and you it seemed to me to be the kind of woman that will hold me to that, and you will take <laughs> will take me swimming. <laughs> so Josie, I will. I would. I'd love to come for swim with you. I'd love to. I'd love to come and have, hang out with you. Actually, so yes, I'm up for that. But before we end today's episode, I always ask my guests to recommend a book that has inspired them or educated them um what book do you have to share with us today well it's one that I'm just I'm really at the end of but it's I've loved every page of it and um I'm a great fan of her so it's Catelyn Moran's More Than a Woman and I've read some of her other books but this this particular book is about uh middle-aged uh women and it's very very honest about what we all go through about 
how we deal with our teenagers, about um, the changes that we experience. It's incredibly frank about sex. And also it's so true. So mm. much, so much of what she says, just like, how does she know that? That is exactly what it's hilarious. It starts with her um, talking about lists and the lists that we all carry around all day. And it's hilarious because it's got all the millions of things on it. And I, I do that. I've got a list <laughs> that long with all the sort of stuff on it. And it's so from page one, actually, I absolutely loved it. And I, I'm a massive fiction reader and I could give you a, a whole list of wonderful titles, but um. I also like reading nonfiction and I really like it when you get a woman who tells it like it is. So yes, Catelyn Moran's More Than a Woman is a great, great read if you are certainly in midlife. It is. And I re- I listened to it on audiobook during lockdown when I was out every day doing my steps and I would laugh. LOL, I would lol because it is, <laughs> it, it's it, really it's, funny, it is yeah. spot on and very, very funny. Josie Lloyd, thank you so much for being my guest. I just want to finish up with reading a a paragraph that um, was sent in your your publicity blurb that came to me. And it just, uh, rereading it again this morning before we recorded, having finished the book, it kind of, it really resonated with me. And I just want to share it with the listener um, and to finish up today's show. And you write that I feel very strongly that with one in two of us uh, set to get cancer in our lifetime and one in eight women getting breast cancer in the UK, the subject needs some debunking. People are terrified of cancer like I was, but treatments are improving all the time. And lots of lucky people like me are able not just to, to, to survive, but to thrive on the other side. I want the Cancer Ladies Running Club to spread a message of positivity and hope but most of all to be a novel that people can enjoy with characters that they feel they could be friends with. And indeed, you have done that. So, oh, thank Josie you, Lloyd, thank you for writing this and putting it out there. It's a, it's a great read for anybody affected by cancer or not. Thank you so much for being my guest today. My pleasure. Thank you for listening. And thank you to Vicky Bristow Communications for producing this series. You can find out more about me and my work at www.themerrymenopause.com or follow me on Instagram at themerrymenopause. If you like what you hear, please leave a review and subscribe. It will really help other people to find me.